0: What's going on, everybody? This is Tim Foley here with COVID Talks. I am joined once again by Kim Terese. What's up, Kim?
1: Uh, Not much, Tim. I'm just a few rooms away from you. <laughs> How are you?
0: Yeah, doing our thing. Glad that we worked this out so that we can record in the same building. Before this, uh, Kim was like trying to go to work on the weekend and record in her office building, and yeah. Do, like,
1: Let it be known, I was not working on the weekends. I was just going there because it was nice to go in some of the conference rooms.
0: <laughs> Let it be known. Uh, <laughs> but thank you for joining us again as a as a host this week. Yeah, Kim. it's my pleasure. Idid um, is not with us this week. Uh, he thanks you all for your time and listening uh, to our podcast and. Uh, And for the support that you've given, I would like to thank as well everybody that's been tuning in uh, to this podcast and for for giving us the time out of your week uh, to spend with us. It means so much, and and we really just appreciate it endlessly. And uh, so uh, we are going to be bringing on in just a little bit our guest today. Her name is Cassie Stern, and I'm really excited to talk to her. This is one of Kim's friends from high Mm -hmm. school. Um, But before we get into that and before we interview Cassie, we are going to talk a little bit about what's been going on in the world lately and uh you know i think it would be important for us to acknowledge that there have been dozens of deaths um recently in in texas and other southern states uh, where temperatures have been unusually low and this has caused uh major issues for the infrastructure there which is really not prepared uh, for that kind of cold for those kinds of temperatures
1: and the precipitation you know that has accrued there as well i mean they weren't able to get <clears throat> the snow off of the roads um and you yep. know they don't have snow plows for stuff like this like they don't they don't have the resources yeah and i think that was like one of the things when i when i moved down here to north carolina that like i didn't think yeah. about right away i think that being from the north you have mm. this mentality of like oh like how silly to be overreacting over like a half inch of snow or or something like that. And, you know, it ends up being really dangerous. Um, I mean, even down here, I've heard coworkers talk of stories where it snowed and and people have Mm. been on the road for hours because they can't move and, or they've like parked in along, along the shoulder and have just walked home because it was too dangerous to drive home due to like icy conditions. And, um, it's, yeah, it's it's definitely something that is not to be taken lightly. I mean, we you can see it from mm. the death toll of these these past few days um, in Texas, in Louisiana, in Oklahoma. Like you said, yeah. it's been dozens of deaths. I think like almost sixty or so, um, and and that is from mm. you know the frigid mm. cold, um, and and people getting hypothermia, people um, not having access to heat and water and and i think that is truly what the problem is currently because i know the temperature has gone up in some of these states and the power has returned and and that's not to everywhere but they they did have pipes that have bursted um and 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 a lot of um places have these boil um Mm. boil water advisories where um Mm -hmm. basically the government is, is warning them that um or public health officials are warning them that, um, you should boil your water because it might be contaminated, um, with pathogens. And,
2: um,
1: you know, it's, it's scary. I I know a lot of people, um, I mean, I don't know a lot of people personally, but I know a lot of people don't have access to water right now. And it's, Mm. it's terrifying to be in that situation and it's really hitting lower income, um, disenfranchised people a lot harder. Mm. And, um, Yeah. I, I even, one of my friends, she, um, her name is Elena. She, um, is in San Antonio now cause she's currently in school there, um, for physical therapy and she did not have access to water for a day. And I know that was very nerve Mm wracking, but luckily it was just a day. And and from what I know, you know, things are on the up, but it's, it's very terrifying. And, um, yeah, I think that one thing other than being aware of what's happening is to you know try to contribute if you can um I think that yeah we are a society of a lot of like infographics and things being shared these days via social media and I Mm -hmm. understand that you know the infographics can feel a little redundant and feel like you're not really doing anything and I totally understand that point of view but you know if you can sort of Find a mutual aid um, organization to contribute to that's still accepting donations, that's really great. Like, yeah. you know, and, and if you're able to donate, that's really great. If you can't donate and you're able to spread the word, um, even if it's just within your close friends, which is something that I've been having a tendency to do, um, you know, do that. Yeah. Uh, you, you don't have to feel guilty for not being, you know, the one to post infographics if you know that you are doing something yourself. So, um, we personally mm, yep. um, donated to Feed the People Dallas, which is a mutual aid um, yep. organization. You could look them up on Instagram. I'm not quite sure if they're still accepting donations, but, you know, do your research. We mm. all have access to the internet. <laughs> um, well, maybe some people yep. don't because they don't have power currently. But, you know, if you are feeling helpless yeah, and you, you want to contribute, then and you can, then, then do it and, and just do whatever's in your power.
0: Yeah. So, you know, like Kim said, there are so many different ways to contribute. Um, Like any form of activism, everybody has a different lane to fill. And so if you're not, you know, in a position where you can donate money, uh, absolutely use whatever influence you have, uh, whatever, you know, lane that you can fill uh, to either spread the word, um, reach out. Again, a lot of people have family. People have, you know, friends that are that are in the South, that are in Texas, that are being affected personally um, by this reach out to somebody check in see how Mm -hmm. they're doing um and so you know these are all different ways that we can we can fill those lanes and that we can uh that we can support uh the people that need that support and like kim said it's it's gonna affect the marginalized communities the most like we see with everything and so that disparity gets brought out yet again not everybody can just hop plane and um, escape to a foreign place. Uh, I'm throwing Cruise. shade right now and <laughs> yeah <laughs> like we all know like, who I'm talking oh about but God. anyway uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah it's not the access is not there the access is not there for everybody and so just you know let's let's keep ourselves informed and uh, and our thoughts you know really go out to to everybody who is who's struggling right now because it's continuing to affect people
1: and so it's like you know, why is it that the South isn't prepared for for something like this? Why don't they have the infrastructure mm. to be prepared for something like this? Well, because historically it hasn't happened. Yeah. There has been no need. And why has there been no need? Well, I mean, this this weather is really, you know, an effect of global warming. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. that moving forward, you know... I'm really curious to see what the response is going to be, um, from the energy infrastructure there. I know that places like Texas just stand alone and and they don't rely on any other states surrounding them in terms of their energy infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm curious to see how that is going to change, but you know, we really need, we need changes too that are going to be enacted top down. Um, and, and it's nice that we're under a presidency that is finally acknowledging global warming, yeah. but I don't, we're not seeing enough mm-hmm. and we're not seeing enough fast enough. So um, if anyone else wants to talk about that specifically and you're listening to this and you have more answers than I do, or if you have any corrections you want to make, like, yeah. let me know. I am here to learn more and um, we would love to have you talk more about this. And um, yeah, just chime in, like, we are all here to, to grow and to learn. So.
0: Yeah. When we look deeper at at what's going on right now, the, the injustice uh, is the lack of the lack of preparation on a, on a wider level uh, which is not the fault necessarily of obviously of the individual communities or the individual people, but it is certainly the fault of uh, you know, a structure that has not been set up uh, to anticipate these types of situations. And I think that going forward, this type of weather and these, these changes in weather patterns, I think, and in terms of what I've read and what I've heard, is going to become more common. And so it's, I think, very important, Mm -hmm. very important that we take this moment as a sign and as a reminder that uh, we are, we're going to need to learn to adapt and we're going to need to respond and be preventative um, in order to really accommodate Uh, you know people who are being affected by this right now and 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 ultimately we need to set the policies and uh, make the changes that will allow for us to to meet those needs Um, and so really important and I'm glad that you brought that up as well Kim we are going to take a quick break and during this break I'm going to give you a little snippet of a song uh, that I wanted to share with everybody. Uh, we've been sharing a couple different songs from different artists, and uh, in particular, Kim's brother has uh, been a great contributor and has, has given us a couple of his songs to play during our, our little intermission uh, on the show. Uh, this week, I am going to be playing a song for my friend Curran, who joined us as a guest on Episode 5, and he goes by the artist name of K-Mawa. It's K-M-A-W-A. So check him out, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, wherever you prefer to get your music. His song that he just dropped about two weeks ago is called Trying to Be Okay. And this is a song about anxiety. It's a song about being a 20-something and wanting the type of stability that money just can't buy. And so we talk on this show about mental health all the time, and so I thought it was an appropriate song to share uh, in light of all that. So we are going to take a listen to Curran's new song. Uh, When we're back, we're going to be here with Cassie Stern, we're going to talk about the pandemic in New York City, how her career as a dancer has been affected by COVID, and managing the stress of having family members with COVID. Stick around. We'll be back right after this break. I
2: wake up, roll out of bed, breaks in career, but the pain in my head. Hopping at a funeral ain't worth being dead. So i getting young money, trying to be okay. This body don't owe me. This body don't owe me nothing. Homies ain't homies, and he said, Presidents, they got me bluffing. I'm 25, going on, still alive. Getting money, feeling funny, telling honeys I don't mind. Says she got a guy who get up on Helen's nights. Nice. Being yeah, being yeah, being so oh, on my mind. Like I gotta act like I'm not in my Don't call me on my sail I done been until your spell Highway sideways over mountain tops Don't make me Said I'm getting your money trying to be okay Said I'm getting your money trying to be okay Said
0: I'm getting your money trying to be okay Said I'm getting your money trying to be okay getting your money trying to be okay Alright, we're back. Tim Foley here with Kim Terezi. Uh, we are going to have an interview right now with a very special guest. This is one of Kim's friends from high school and her name is Cassie Stern. Uh, And I met her recently, actually, through a virtual trivia game that Kim put together. (laughs) Um, I had never met her before that, but um, she was nice enough to agree to come onto the podcast and uh, have a conversation with us. And I had heard about Cassie for many years uh, from Kim and, you know, is an awesome person. Really excited to be able to talk to her today and to hear about her insight and her experiences, especially during um, the pandemic. And so uh, Kim right now is going to uh, give us a little introduction to Cassie.
1: Yeah, so I quote unquote met Cassie in third grade, but we didn't really become (laughs) friends until late high school when we shared some of the same classes, um, particularly like that 11 AP class, but we're not going to talk about that. One of my most distinct memories was going to a Ben Howard concert with Cassie and a few others in the city. I think that was at Terminal 5, but I could be wrong. Um, I don't know if you remember Cass, but
3: uh, I, I think that's right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Anyway, we kept in touch after graduating high school and have met up every so often when our paths have intertwined, though unfortunately has been a while that we've seen each other due to the pandemic. Um, But for as long as I've known Cassie, she has been a dancer and she also has a lot of other interests, including yoga, hiking and music. She is a James Madison University mm-hmm. alum where she studied both dance and communications. And she is currently a general manager of the Steven Petronio company and a dancer with One Day Dance. We're so happy to have you on here and we're looking forward to hearing about your perspective living through the pandemic, particularly as a New Yorker and as an artist. Um, and I will turn it over to you, Tim, for our first question.
0: Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much, Cassie, for making the time and taking some time out of your Saturday to join us
3: absolutely i mean there's not very much else that we can be doing right now anyway so i'm excited to be here with you all true <laughs>
0: that is that is very true um well you know anyway we're, we're super excited to be chatting with you uh i got to read through some of your answers uh on on the google form that we give out to all our guests before uh we do these interviews and um you know was really interested in hearing more about what the pandemic experience was like in New York. Of course, I'm originally from New York uh, and I was not in New York during uh, the pandemic and uh, I didn't really get to experience it firsthand like that. But uh, as somebody living in Brooklyn, you know, really close to just the epicenter of of the virus. And and I was wondering what your experience is like, especially in those first few months of living uh, in the city.
3: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it was, it was pretty crazy. Uh, when everything first happened, um, Mm -hmm. I had a place in, in South Slope in Brooklyn, uh, this tiny little Mm -hmm. apartment. And I remember the first week that all of this started to blow up. Um, one of the, my employees, my, my fellow coworkers decided just to not come to work. And I was like, Oh my God, like, this is real. If someone is wow. deciding that he's just like not going to show up, he's petrified. And this isn't, an, this is an issue. Yeah. Um, so that really like jump started my brain of like, okay, so how can my office now function mm. from at home? So I went into the mm. office and this is mm-hmm. like thinking back now, it's, it's insane to think that I got on a subway without a mask, was surrounded by a bunch of people and commuting mm. with this whole community into Manhattan. Yeah. Um, and that day I ended up taking all of our files that lived mm-hmm. on our computers and trying to upload them into Google drives because I was like, the world's about to change. I'm not taking a subway anymore. Like that, I mean, that was the main issue for people that were working in New York of like, we, we are so in, we're in such close proximity, how can we function in this world commuting to work? So I ended up doing that. Um, And then from that day on, I never went back to the office. And uh, Mm -hmm. I began working from home in Brooklyn. Um, And at that point, my my parents are from where Kim and I grew up in Cornwall. And my mom kept Mm -hmm. texting me like, it's getting bad. It's getting bad. You should really, you should come upstate and you should stay at our house. And, you know, in my mind, that felt like, I mean, it felt like that could be a safe haven. Mm-hmm. But at that point, there mm. was so much unknown that one, if I were to leave, was I bring the virus into my mom, my mom's home mm-hmm. with my mm. brother and with my grandparents. And that felt like a really big threat. Yeah. And then two, it also yep. felt like I was leaving my life mm. here because I mm. had built up this entire um, world in brooklyn that like how could i right. go upstate and feel like i was gonna move backwards you know right
2: mm.
1: yeah and you know yeah. even at that point um early on it, i i believe that testing was not widely distributed mm. so even if you no. were to go up there there was right. no way for you to actually get a test without maybe spending a whole bunch of money and going to such extremes um to really Mm -hmm. reassure you that you
3: weren't going to be infecting
1: your family so i i definitely hear that
3: but a lot of the people that i'm friends with ended up just just leaving the city like one of my roommates was like i'm i'm gonna go and stay with a friend in i think it was boston Mm. but i was just like i don't know i feel like i can't go anywhere like this is this is where i should be this is my home now you know
0: yeah yeah Yeah. it's like Uh, On one end, you know, you're you would be kind of up and leaving uh, everything going on in your life in that moment. And then at the same time, it's like, sure, people can leave New York City to go elsewhere uh, in hopes that it's it's maybe a little more calm in terms of the spread of the virus elsewhere. But if you do that, then you're actually coming from the hotbed into yeah. a different you know, neighborhood, different city, and ultimately mm-hmm. you could be partially responsible for spreading the virus. And it's like exactly. that, especially early on, with less information, that had to be really scary.
3: Yeah, yeah. I remember my roommate and I were looking at this, it was like a New York Times um, mm-hmm. uh, diagram that showed how community spreading happened. And it was mm-hmm. all of these tiny oh, little wow. bubbles and each one, yeah. if someone was infected, it had a color. And as they bumped into all mm. of the other bubbles, those bubbles would then change into a different color. And I was like, this is exactly what I would be doing if I leave here.
2: Yeah. Mm. Yeah?
3: yeah.
1: There's definitely, like, a responsibility that – each of us had as individuals to make sure that wasn't happening. So kudos to you. Mm. Um, and I, I definitely understand how that would have felt like a sense Agreed. of abandonment to that life that you did build. Yeah. Um, Cause you're right. Mm. Like going to Cornwall that would feel like going backwards. I mean, I understand like mm-hmm. doing that is definitely like a luxury and it, it's really nice to be with your family quarantined in a space together. Um, it definitely makes the fear a lot less, but I also see it from your perspective Mm. that, like, you almost have, like, this responsibility to where you live and in your own community. So I I understand that completely. Um, And so how did the pandemic affect, like, your career and your day-to-day responsibilities within the Steven Petronio company?
3: Um, It was... It, I, it was difficult because no one really knew how long this was going to last. Right. And so mm. at that moment we were gearing up. Well, first of all, the company was on tour when all Ooh. of this first. Oh, broke, wow. mm-hmm. And so they were in Akron, Ohio. And part of mm. my position is making sure that everything on tour goes as planned. So like mm-hmm. flights and, and food and hotels and all of the details around that. Um, and my boss called me and was like, we need to come home immediately. All of the restaurants are shutting down and Mm. we can't, Mm. there's no way that we would be able to have food. Mm -hmm. And I spent, and this was in the craziness of everyone trying to cancel their flights and change their plans. And, um, I was, there was one night that I think Mm. I spent five hours, I wish I could go back and find that phone call and the timestamp of it, of waiting for an airline to answer me so that I could change the flights of the dancers to get them Mm -hmm. home. Um, But it was so scary because also they were like, we're not even in our own space right now. And everyone is hunkering down and everyone is grabbing groceries and everyone Mm -hmm. is trying to plan for what's about to happen, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah. I was going to say, like you said they were in Ohio. I was just thinking about how like these sort of reactions to the pandemic worked so differently from state to state. Yeah. Like it hit us mm-hmm. in North Carolina way later, or at least maybe a couple right. of weeks later than it. And it did mm-hmm. in somewhere like New York and, and more of the Northern states, maybe part of the West coast. So it kind of surprised me that Ohio was also reacting strongly, um, right away, um, yeah alongside Mm. new york yeah yeah
3: and it could also be because they were on a college campus Uh, and so maybe Mm. that that specific area was like okay we're gonna follow the lead of new york because at that point new york was just like Mm. everyone had cleared the grocery stores and everyone was hunkering down or beginning to that's true yeah very true wow so we didn't really know what was going on because at the, the purpose of that tour was preparing for a New York season, um, which happens every year at the Joyce theater. Mm. And I remember I was trying to work on the marketing for this and I was talking to my boss and I was like, okay, so I'm going to finalize this ad and make sure that this thing that was going in the theater is okay. And do this and this and this. And he stopped me and he was like, Cassie, There's not going to be a New York season. And I was like, yeah, but it's two months away. Like we should still be planning. And he Mm -hmm. was like, you don't Mm -hmm. realize the severity of what we're going through. And that Mm -hmm. was a huge turning point for me.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of us didn't realize the severity at that point. Um, You know, I I remember working as a teacher and my school closing for two weeks. And really, Mm -hmm. most people going into that two weeks with the assumption that, this would be a very brief period of online learning and then we would be back in person mm-hmm. by the end of March, you know, and it's like,
2: <laughs> LOL, <laughs>
0: a year later almost now and, and we're still doing the same thing. So right. yeah, it's it's not, not uncommon, I think, that um, that a, I think a lot of people didn't realize uh, just how, how impactful this was going to be and how long it was going to last. Yeah. Um,
1: i agree yeah i think that like that has been the theme of the pandemic right like just the unknown we we were always seeking answers and and we never seemed to get them right away or we would get like um a mix of false information and and it was it was a lot to navigate (laughs) it still is a lot to navigate um but yeah so i i want to hear about some of your experiences as a, as a dancer during the pandemic, you know, you expressed that One Day Dance, the company that you are a dancer with, has gone completely dormant since March. And it's no secret that the pandemic mm. has been detrimental mm. for many art communities. So can you illustrate your specific experience as a dancer and whether or not you have witnessed or partaken in any adaptations to these times?
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, it, I mean, it's hard because we need to be together in order to have a performance and right yeah even even to rehearse like all of the the studios have been closed and Mm. recently i know that a lot Mm. of them have been opening up for private um studio rentals but it's Mm. that if you're going to go in there by yourself sure But if you have a company and you're all gathering and you're all coming from different places and you're all taking the subway to go there and that then brings in all of these other elements of fear and anxiety about like what could happen, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so Mm -hmm. it's, it's a stark contrast between student Antonio company, which has been around for 37 years and is well funded and has an administrative team, um, and can go to Mm -hmm. these people and, and say, like, hey, would you help fund a dance film project? We're going to try and adapt. We're going to make it. We we already have this, like, groundwork. Versus this other yeah. company, One Day Dance, which is very new, and it's very um, all hands on deck, and there's mm. no specific administration team, mm. and there's um, our funding. We're still trying to build up that base. It's that versus... It's difficult for us to even, you know, compete with that. And the other stark contrast is that um, Steve Maternial Company has a residency center in upstate New York. And so we mm. can bring dancers up there after a period of quarantining and testing and they all can stay on property. They mm-hmm. create their own bubble. Um, and then there's a studio attached to it. Whereas One Day Dance can't even think about doing that because we don't have enough funding to be able to right. to do mm. any sort of project in that way. Um mm-hmm. it is definitely a, a thing of like of preference of can you be productive on Zoom? Is it even worth it? Are we all doing the same thing yeah. with these Zoom dances? Like how do we how do we function if we can't even like rehearse outside? Um so mm-hmm. yeah, even yeah. though the Studio company has been able to get together every couple of months to go upstate and gather in the same space. Like it is all about that connection and about being surrounded by people and feeding off their energies and creating work. And, and it's hard to do that through a screen. You
1: know? mm-hmm. mm. Have those, um, residencies through the Steven Petronio company, have they like been really popular now because, um, of the situation or like, how have you seen the response to that? change.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so the center was purchased in 2017, I believe. Um, and we've been trying to find funding to help, um, get it off of the ground and pay the mortgage and, and get activities going up there. Mm -hmm. But we've never seen so much interest from foundations and funders than right now because mm-hmm. it is a safe haven wow. and it's a place where people can gather and be together without mm. the nerves of what you would get in, in New York city. Right. Um, so yeah, it has been our lifesaver, not only for us because the, the center is not just for scene company, it's for other artists as well. And so mm. other artists are renting the space and also we are mm. providing subsidized residencies to people and also um, awarding full, funded residencies to artists that might not get the chance to go up there themselves. Wow. And are those all dancers? So far, um, we have had dancers and, um, like an acting group. We're looking into more of like cross collaborative where we can invite writers or, um, I know like a circus group reached out to us. Um, but oh. so far, yes, mostly just dance.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that, I mean, that's very fortuitous. I'm, I'm really glad that um, you guys have had that to fall back on. Um, but have you, as a, um, in One Day Dance, have you guys, like, tried to meet over Zoom to do, like, any sort of rehearsals? When it was warmer, did you guys try to do something outside, like, spread out?
3: So we had a call when all of this first started happening, um, and together as a team we kind of decided like maybe this is the moment that we need to just take a break mm. and mm. we had plans to come back and we recently had a call and and we were trying to gauge people's comfortability about going back into a studio right. um and mm-hmm. the the idea of of rehearsing over zoom came up um but there there wasn't a lot of like positive reactions to it because people are like it's tough. It's, um, you're in a little box and some people don't have as much space in their room. And like Mm -hmm. even Mm -hmm. a choreographer showing something on the screen has to think about, okay, how to, how are you going to receive it on the other end? Like I have to, I just took an online dance class and the woman was, um, she was demonstrating it facing towards us, but had Mm -hmm. to switch in her brain what was left and right because it mirrors, So even that is difficult for a choreographer to be like, this is this detail. And can you even see me? And do you have enough space? And is my full body in the screen? And so we kind of just were like, you know what, let's take a break and we'll meet back up when the weather is nice and we can be outside together. Yeah.
2: Mm. Yeah.
1: Wow. So maybe this is like a loaded question, but where where do you see the future of like, dance right now or just arts in
3: general
2: Hmm.
3: Mm. um and you can be specific Yeah, yeah 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 no it's a great question um just recently new york city well and i can't speak for everywhere else but for new york city um they have announced two different programs to try and get the arts community back on their feet So, Mm. um, one of them is a curated program where a bunch of different artists are choosing other artists that they want to involve in this festival. And it's like, um, there will be a season of outdoor performances in different places, which is very cool. Mm. However, that Mm -hmm. is like, okay, you have to be chosen and there's going to be specific details and maybe you're not going to be chosen. And then there's this other realm Mm. where um, there was a period of time where you could suggest a location to hold an outdoor performance Mm -hmm. and the city would either accept it or, or deny it. Um, But now there's a bank of places around the city and it could just be like a random street corner or it could be on the high line or it could be in a park. There's a bank of these specific places where any dance company or any arts company for that matter, can go and perform there on a specific day and a specific time for no cost. Mm. So the city is really trying to amp up like outdoor performances and outdoor um, arts activities to just get people moving um yeah and it's great it's great but it, it, it also you know presents its challenges of like well you're not in a theater how can you sell a ticket are you gonna rely on donations and mm-hmm. um can everyone see like how do people who are handicapped get there like there's all of these other yeah. things that you need to consider so it's definitely causing the arts community to rethink how do we function in this world mm-hmm. and yeah it's exciting because it's kind of forcing our hand to go in a different direction, but it's also like, Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's just more, um, you have to be creative and that's exhausting (laughs)
2: Mm.
3: because you're also up against all of these restrictions and these challenges of things that like no one has ever done before, you know? Right.
1: Yeah. Mm. And there's only like, I don't know, there's only so much space in a place like New York and it's also freezing there right now. Um, <laughs> so yeah. I, you know, with places like New York, it's not going to get warm until like, uh oh, April, really? I mean, you'll see some warm mm. spots in, in March, but, and then, you know, you're going to end up dealing with yeah. rain. So it, it seems like
3: right.
1: the weather right. is not going to be on your side for something like that for a while. Um, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I mean, do you feel like hopeful going into it? Um, once the summer comes, do you think things might turn for the better?
3: I think so. And I think also there's just going to be this hunger of mm-hmm. audiences yeah. to go out and actually show up and see it and be excited about it. And it's not mm. like people will be able to then just stumble upon something, you know? Mm. Right. It's definitely mm-hmm. changed. Like every rule that we thought of in marketing has just been flipped. Like you don't have to now sell <sighs> a ticket how many weeks in advance, like everything has changed in that realm of like people are showing up to things more just like impromptu or like if it's an online Mm. event they can just like turn it on at their home they don't need to travel there and Mm, yeah we've done everything has changed Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah
1: very true I'm gonna switch gears a little bit um and I wanted to ask you um about you know, how you handled your family members having COVID. Um, I I can relate and Tim can relate. Um, We both had parents that had COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, your family Mm -hmm. members are thankfully now well. But during that experience, you were also struggling with the anxiety around that, as well as the possibility that you had also contracted COVID yourself. So how did you manage that time period? Well, I'm still in it.
3: My mother now has covid. <laughs> no, I am so oh sorry. Gosh. How is she doing? It <laughs> oh is, man. It is literally never ending and Ugh. it has never been so yeah. close to home, which is mm-hmm. insane. Mm-hmm. It's really crazy. Um this one has, I think has been the most difficult because even mm. though I I don't personally feel like I am in any sort of danger, it's like for the first couple of days she was actually at home alone and and if no one is there and, and of course moms are always trying to be heroes and they're not going to tell you exactly how they're feeling, you know, and and they, they don't want to worry you. And I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, we, we have to get someone there. So my brother has had it already. Mm. Um, he went, he went up to go and take care of her, which is is, is really good. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Um, but she's a weekend and she's had a fever for six days now, and that is frightening to me. Um, oh, God, but yeah, yeah, even that of like, I I'm texting her every single day to be like, "What's the update? How are you doing?" Yeah, like, just another thing added on.
1: I know. And I remember when I was doing the same thing, I would get so freaked out when I wouldn't get a response right away. But at the same time, like, Mm -hmm. you don't want to be overbearing because you know that they're going through something and and maybe it's okay. They're just off their phone. Like, I know for my dad, he would, he was so, like, he had such a bad headache that he couldn't even, like, look at his phone. So that's why he got back to me so late. Mm -hmm. Um, But okay. So she's a weekend. Yeah.
3: The overarching Mm -hmm. issue with all of this, or not issue, but the overarching feeling of all of this is just, like, helplessness.
1: Yes, absolutely.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Absolutely.
1: Um, Has she felt any, like, respiratory, like,
3: issues, or she is okay on that front? She um, is just exhausted. Okay. Yeah. She has a cough, but she said that she can breathe, which is – she hasn't felt any, any issues on that end, but yeah, that could, that's definitely the, the symptom that needs to be monitored the most.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm glad to hear that, you know, it, it is going as well as it could, or, or rather like, you know, she's managing it, um, and that your brother is there for her. Um, I think that because she's a weekend, like, that's definitely a good sign like she's getting towards the end of it yep. um, cuz i know it's like mm-hmm. 10 to 14 days now so it's it's not it's not too long but um yeah right. oh my god i right. didn't know that she had it i'm so sorry
3: <laughs> no no oh my gosh you were you were totally fine you were totally uh, fine. wow it is just like it is never ending for you in my family Yeah, Yeah. it really like I can't believe it.
1: I this has been going on since what like November, just on and off. Like, oh God. This is terrible. Wow. Yeah.
3: Wow. It's like my boyfriend had it in November, and then Mm. my brother had it in December, and then he gave it to my sister, and then I thought that I got it, and then my mom just got it. (laughs) It is so miserable. yeah oh my oh. god and you know there is no rhyme or reason to any of it it's like in that period of time yeah. when my mom or when my brother had it and he gave it to my sister it was christmas and we were all together and so oh wow we were just eating dinner together and like around each other and spending a lot of time in the same vicinity using the same bathrooms mm. you know everything and my mom didn't get it then and then mm. uh So we think that, like, you know, she's good. And then she goes to a friend's house and is only there for a couple of hours and probably not in as close proximity as she was to my brother. But she gets it there. Yeah,
1: Yeah, that's insane.
3: You can't figure it out. Right.
1: Yeah, I I feel like that has been so prevalent, just like not really understanding the way this has been transmitted and... I've heard a lot of circumstances yeah. like that, that you just described where it's like, I don't understand how that happened, but then this could happen. Like it makes no sense, but mm-hmm. ugh,
2: right. well, I'm mm-hmm. glad
1: everyone's okay so far. I'm definitely going to keep your mom in my thoughts. I know it's, you know, even mm-hmm. though it seems like she's doing okay, it's still a very difficult thing to, um, you know, undergo. So ugh, fingers crossed. Thank you. You're welcome.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> It really is. I think what makes this virus so difficult uh, is just the uncertainty of it all, and really just like, um, yeah, the unpredictability. Like, there's Mm -hmm. really, like you said, Cassie, there's really like no rhyme or reason to it. And man, like you have you have persevered through a lot. Because I mean, it sounds like literally it's made its way through most of your family. And so uh, you know, thank you for. For you know, being open about all that with us, and and we're we're definitely gonna be keeping you and your mom in our thoughts. Like I, I just, uh, man, I I know uh, you know my, my dad had a, a very very mild case uh, a few weeks back, and uh, really did not experience too many symptoms. But mm-hmm. um, it's it's scary, and it's like yeah. you just don't know, you know, you just never know. And and you know, so hopefully again she's a week in, and and that's that's definitely that's definitely good news. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, we will, we will be keeping you in our thoughts for sure. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So switching gears slightly. um, I I wanted to, I wanted to talk about uh, one of the things that, that you had mentioned in the Google form that you filled out and um, it was about traveling. And, you know, I think that a lot of us have shared that common um, experience with debating, uh, especially like when it comes to seeing family, when it comes to seeing loved ones, do I get in the car do I drive there? Do I quarantine? Do I take the risk? You know, um, what are the, what are the odds? And then if it's New York, do I risk getting a $2,000 fine? You know what I mean? Like all kinds of different questions, all kinds of different, uh, considerations to take that we never really would have taken in the past. And, um, you know, you said something that both Kim and I thought was really profound in the Google forum. and, um, you know, quoting you here, you said, Something that was on your mind lately has been how traveling, uh, this once grandiose, jealousy-evoking, inspiring thing is a foe. It is a cause of the severity of this global pandemic, and it feels like the enemy. And that really stuck out to us uh, because you you draw this really interesting point that there was a time when traveling was this thing to be jealous of. People would post about it on Instagram or on social media, wherever. Um, mm-hmm. And it was this this envious uh, thing that people would look and they they they'd just be like, man, I wish I could go there too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now it's like if you were to post a picture of yourself at a beach somewhere uh, on Instagram, people would be like, "Man, what are you doing? You're right. putting everybody at risk." And it's it's completely changed in terms of the connotation. So we were just wondering if you could maybe talk a little more about that and, and you know your your thoughts and feelings about um, about what you said there.
3: Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, well, it's funny in the very beginning of this, and going back to that, like no one knew how long this was going to last. Um, all of yeah. those flight prices had dropped, and mm. so I. Mm booked this was in March I booked a flight for like I want to say it was May because I was like oh this will totally be over by then and I booked it to Myrtle Beach and it was like I think 50 bucks. And I was like, you know what, like, even if I don't go, like I'll still have the flight credit and that'll just be like in my back pocket. But I totally thought that, mm. you know, everything was going to be over by then. And I was like really making out, I was, I was stealing from the, the flight uh, from the airline company, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. And now I'm thinking about it like a year later, we still are in this moment. And I think yeah. that the, ins- I guess the inspiration or the thought process around that, what I wrote in the Google form is that I was listening to another podcast and it was talking about variants and how Mm. it like one person brought back the UK variant and now
2: it is everywhere.
3: And one Mm. person brought back the South Uh. African variant and now it is everywhere. And like Mm. that is now causing Mm. a problem. And it's just like, once Mm. that happens, it's just, it's like that diagram i was talking about from the new york times it just keeps going and going and going you can't control it
2: so yeah
0: and that is that is a whole lot of responsibility when you think about it like when you put it in those terms it's like oh do i get on this plane and then all of a sudden when you think of it that way it's like wow i I don't want to be that person i don't want to be that person that that spreads this new variant um so yeah it, it holds a whole different significance
3: exactly exactly and i don't know you think back like so I, I turned 26 this, this past December and I was thinking in my mm-hmm. head, like, I just spent my 25th year in an apartment <laughs> doing yeah. nothing. Yeah. Like, like, mm-hmm. I mean, that is so, such a, like, uh, an uh, it's not a true statement, you know? Like I, I went upstate <sighs> and I like got to... Yeah. I don't know. I, I Like, I have done little things here and there. But the, when you mm-hmm. think about it, like, I had all of these grand plans of, like, I was supposed to yeah. go with my friend who had was supposed to finish her two-year Peace Corps um, service this past year. We were supposed uh-huh. to go to Bali. And we were supposed mm-hmm. to go do this. And wow. I, like, wanted to go here. And then I just, like, yeah. you can't. And it totally goes back to that guilt of, like, this is not what I'm, mm-hmm. I should be doing. And I, I have this responsibility yeah. to me and to my family and to the people in my community around me that like I need to just stay put.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it, you know, I think that in a way, you know, you probably experienced, uh, you know, speaking on on my own behalf, you probably experienced an even more intense form of quarantine. Not only being in New York, where the restrictions were literally and you know reasonably um, more extreme. But also, you know, being in a space that was so much more crowded that it, it was it was riskier, literally riskier to go outside. And I think you, for myself, I was in kind of a suburban area in Washington, D.C. during the majority of the quarantine. Mm-hmm. And I just think of how I was at least able to walk around the block or go into a park without feeling like I was going to encounter a million people. Mm-hmm. But being right. in Brooklyn, I would imagine it would be you're, you're in a sea of people if you're going to step outside and you're, you know, it's a very, very different dynamic. Um, and yeah. so you've really, I think experienced a, a more intense or kind of a more, uh, uh, just a more quarantined pandemic than, than a lot of other people probably have
3: for yeah. that reason. Well, so I actually, I didn't, um, I didn't mention this before, but I didn't end up staying in Brooklyn. So I, mm-hmm. uh, Oh, okay. So it's me and my one roommate and we are actually both dating roommates also. Oh wow. <laughs> so she, she, she introduced me to her roommates roommate or her uh-huh. boyfriend's roommate. And now what? I'm dating oh, him. Oh man. And so wow. in, at the very beginning of it, we were all like, mm-hmm. what do we do? And yeah, there was this one Friday that I was still in my apartment and I was alone for, mm. um, that day working. And I was just in my head the entire time, like scrolling through the news and oh. thinking about all of all of the things that could happen. And I was like, I can't be alone yeah. anymore. So that mm. day I called, they were all at the other apartment in Manhattan and I was about to go over mm. there and I remember Sam, my boyfriend, saying, Well, pack as much as you can carry. And at that mm. point I wasn't wow. using the subway. I was city biking and so i'm like i have this backpack (laughs) and i'm city biking across the brooklyn bridge and the it was empty completely empty and i have this iconic photo that i took of no one else on the bridge with me
0: oh my gosh
3: have i seen this photo you might have but i could definitely share it with you it is so eerie i'll definitely share it
0: This is like the script for a post-apocalyptic short film like honestly that's that's wild um
3: and so well so i stayed in manhattan so
0: yeah and Uh that
3: day was like that was the day that they announced that in new york city the national guard was coming in and i was like oh my gosh I, i remember just going into that that apartment in manhattan and us like thinking about what we were supposed to be doing and like Was there any way that we could prepare? And like, should we stay here or should we stay in Brooklyn? But the Manhattan apartment Mm -hmm. has a doorman and that feels safer. And they also have laundry in the building. Whereas like we would have to go to a laundromat in Brooklyn and just like, Mm. oh, like what if something happened? If there was like rioting or whatever, we could escape Manhattan Mm. quicker than we could Brooklyn. Like all of these really dark thoughts were going through our heads. Mm. But then you think about it and you're like the, they actually had maps during the the really and they might still have them now of like where in new Uh york city the hot spots were and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. my place in brooklyn was worse than their place in manhattan so i ended up staying in manhattan Mm. um which is like it is more populated but i think that the Mm -hmm. area that they're in it's a little bit more affluent than where i was and so people just left the city and so there weren't as many cases
0: gotcha wow Okay. Yeah. And very interesting. Yeah. I, I, I never would have uh, known that you had, you basically like had to like flee to Manhattan and then immediately the national guard is coming in. That is, that's wild. Um, to have yeah. all that happen within the same stretch. Wow. Um,
1: all almost a, a year ago, really. It's almost a year ago now. Yeah. That's
0: yeah. crazy. Almost yeah. We're a year coming ago up at this on the point, anniversary. Which, yeah. It's unbelievable to think about that. Unbelievable. Um. So I have, Two quick hits before uh, we wrap up here, real quick. Uh, you mentioned traveling and and you know loving to travel. We don't know when it's going to be, but um, you know when we either tra- achieve herd immunity or there's enough of the vaccine has been distributed and it's safe to travel uh, and you can do so. Where's the first place you're going to go? Mm.
2: Ooh,
3: good one. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Well, so I did have that trip planned with my best friend, my best uh-huh. friend, that we yep. were supposed to go to Bali. And so I feel like that mm. would have to just take place because we, that was stolen from yeah. us. <laughs> For
2: real. Yeah. yeah, absolutely.
0: All right. Interesting. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good answer. Uh, I always love <laughs> asking, uh, you know, I mean, in a, in a, in a world where, where we're able to literally travel, which, you know, we don't know when it's going to be, but mm-hmm. I'm always curious to hear what people say. Uh, and then, Last thing I wanted to ask, and we usually uh, kind of wrap up our interviews by asking this question, and I'm especially curious to hear from you, Cassie, because you're in the arts and, you know, as anybody that's, that's in the arts, uh, you know, it's, there's always that fuel that comes from reading or watching or listening or whatever it might be uh, to other art. And so I was curious to hear, what are the songs, the TV shows, the movies that have been keeping you going lately?
3: Uh, uh-huh. Um. Well, I just got a record player, which is really incredible. Oh wow! Um, and I—that's really cool. Yeah, when I went back home, I when I was quarantining in the basement, um, mm-hmm. I went through all of my dad's old records, and just stole wow. a bunch of these like classics from 1970, which is amazing. Or the 70s, oh, man. 60s, 70s, 80s. Um, and wow. so right now I'm like super into Logins and Messina. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. Mm. No, I but haven't. They haven't. Have you should. They're great. And then wow. I've been listening to Credence Clearwater, mm-hmm. which is a cl- another classic. Okay. But um, mm. so for Christmas with the record player, my boyfriend got me one of my favorite artists. He's a current artist, and his name is Yellow Days. And yes. he's he like mentioned. a bluesy. Oh, okay. Oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. he's fantastic. And his latest album came out in 2020. And if you listen Mm. to his stuff from before, it feels, it's very like dark and bluesy. But Mm -hmm. this album, Mm. this new 2020 album is just like lighthearted and you want to like jump around. It really (laughs) like brings you out of it. So I would definitely, (laughs) definitely suggest him.
0: I feel like that's what everybody needed 2020 going into 2021. Yeah, we'll definitely check that out. Um, yeah, because and, we, um, yeah.
1: our last guest mentioned. Um, yep. Oh my God, what was his name? Alan we listened Stone. to him after Alan Stone, right? Yep. Yeah, uh-huh. and that was really nice. So we're. I think our tradition is just gonna be like whenever we're running errands next, we'll like just plug in the artist in the car and and listen because that's been really really nice. Yeah.
0: For real. So next time we are on the way to Target, we're gonna be checking out <laughs> Yellow Days. Uh, for yes. sure. Oh yes. my
1: god, it's always Target. Always Target. <laughs> too much. It's too
0: much. Um I always love yeah. to hear uh what people are listening to, what's inspiring you and you know, what's kind of fueling your creative energy. So thanks for sharing that with us, Cassie. Yes. Thank you so much for making time today, uh, to yes. you know, Thank be on you. the line with us and to, to do this interview.
3: Yeah, this is amazing. It like makes you actually sit down and think about what was my experience and what the heck just happened this yeah. whole year <laughs> i know <laughs> well,
0: you know we yeah for real uh, it's 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 been it's been i mean you know such a, a cool opportunity i think because everybody's got different stories and mm-hmm. and it's just put people in different situations that you would never imagine that you'd be in and i think that uh it's just awesome hearing uh you know what everybody's had to share so far and so we're, we're just thrilled that uh that you've uh, you've come on here and 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 added your story so thank you
3: yeah well thank you thank you so much this is so cool that you guys are doing this i think it's really helpful for everyone
0: Ah, uh, thank you absolutely and uh Kim, thank you so much for joining again as my co-host.
3: You are very welcome.
0: That is all the time that we have for this episode, episode nine, COVID Talks in the Book. Thank you so much for joining us. If you are interested in being on our podcast, we mentioned a Google form earlier. That is the link in my bio. Check it out on my Instagram page. Um, Please fill out that Google form. Reach out to me or Kim directly or ID'd because you know he's still rocking with us. Uh, And we will be back again next (laughs) week for episode 10 ringing in that 10th episode very excited about that thank you for joining us for giving us your time listening to our podcast we will see you next week
1: bye